Hey there, today's episode is brought to you by Chargebee and Vitaly. Chargebee just launched their 2024 State of the Subscriptions and Revenue Growth Report, packed with retention insights and strategies from over 300 of the fastest growing subscription businesses. You can grab a copy of the report today by visiting chargebee.com forward slash churnfm. That's C-H-A-R-G-E-B-E-E dot C-O-M forward slash C-H-U-R-N-F-M. And Vitaly is bringing in a new era for customer success productivity with their all-in-one customer success platform. Vitaly gives you unmatched visibility into your company's health and success. And now you can measure operational strategies on customer outcomes at scale with goals directly in Vitaly. They're also currently giving away a free pair of AirPods to all ChurnFM listeners when you take a qualified demo with them. So if you're in the market for a CS platform, visit vitaly.io forward slash churnfm today to schedule your demo and get your airpods that's v-i-t-a-l-l-y dot i-o forward slash c-h-u-r-n-f-m if you decide to check either of them out please make sure to use the links quoted as it allows them to measure the roi of this campaign and helps me retain them as our sponsors to continue producing churnfm as an independent creator with that being said let's jump to today's episode no matter how good things are, even in the best of times, there's still just stuff you got to deal with, right? And as not only the CEO, but the founder, like these things were deep passions of mine. And so there was never a break, right? Even a vacation wasn't really a vacation because mentally I was very present in our business and, and in our startup. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, it's great to be here with you. It's great to have you. For the listeners, Steve is the SVP of Strategy for Customer Education at Gainsight, customer success and product experience software that empowers companies to increase revenue, decrease churn, and drive advocacy. Prior to Gainsight, Steve was the CEO and founder of NorthPass, which was very recently acquired by Gainsight. So my first question for you, Steve, is how does it feel post-acquisition? What has been the biggest change for you to deal with? Oh, wow. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been amazing. So it's been about six weeks or so since the acquisition closed. So I'm still kind of fresh off the acquisition. It's been just fantastic. You know, I had a vision in founding NorthPass to really elevate customer education, make it a mission critical function of every company. And we made a lot of progress on that at NorthPass over the years. You know, incredibly grateful for the growth journey that we had. Now at Gainsight, we just have the opportunity to accelerate that growth so, so fast. I mean, we're talking to companies and prospective customers that we, we never would have had a chance to talk to as an independent company. And, and we're, we're innovating products now in a highly integrated way with the full suite of customer success tools as just being 
a standalone learning management system. And so I'm so excited and feel incredibly fortunate that we are where we are today. Very nice. And I can see a lot of the interesting aspect now and the power of Gainsight being able to be wrapped in there and speaking to customers, you know, whatever. But on a personal note, has there been anything uh, changed for you? Any relief of stress or pressure? Or do you feel it as much and uh, still going at it on all cylinders? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you go from founding and bootstrapping for a long time and then taking on some kind of a light level of capitalization from venture groups and having a board, right? And as the CEO, you're responsible for cash and customers and personnel. And there's no matter how good things are, even in the best of times, there's still just stuff you got to deal with, right? And as not only the CEO, but the founder, like these things were deep passions of mine. And so there was never a break, right? Even a vacation wasn't really a vacation because mentally I was very present in our business and, and in our startup. That really changed pretty much overnight at post acquisition and still as motivated as ever and working hard to push our vision, but just mentally with less of the, the pressures. Yeah, it's just not there. Have you been on a holiday yet or where's the first destination that you're going to go just to completely switch off maybe for the first time in a very long time? So yeah, we I did too. So I have four kids, little kids. And so shortly after the acquisition, my wife and I were actually coincidentally celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary. So we just we took off up to Nantucket for a couple of days, just the two of us. It was wonderful. Good timing couldn't have been better. And then last week, actually, I live in New Jersey and I took my kids to um, one of the barrier islands, uh, the Long Beach Island in New Jersey. And all six of us just had a blast with the kids. It was so fun. So I don't know how you do it. Building a startup and four kids. Like I think that's <laughs> an insane feat on its own right. It was really two startups. It was a yeah. personal startup and a professional startup. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I mean, I have one at the moment and I know how much work it is. And I see friends like they have three and I'm like, man, that's crazy. And four is just like next level. I don't know. Like my brother in law actually jokes with uh, he's got two kids and he's like, people with three because it's, it's irresponsible. He's like, it's actually like <laughs> two you can handle if they go off at each other. Like one of you can each take one, but three, like, what do you do with the third one then? Like, where do you, where are you going to go? Like, he's like, oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's irresponsible. So do you, what do you think now? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so Gainsight has acquired North Pass. Uh, what's the plan there? Like, what are you seeing in the market and where do you seeing things going from here? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, Nick Maida, the CEO of Gainsight, and I saw the world the same way, but from kind of two different solutions, kind of coming at the, the problem from two different solutions. And I think now the worlds have converged and, and it's really exciting. And so ultimately what our vision is, is that customer success teams, we're going through like the next generation, the next evolution of customer success, where kind of version one was very customer success manager led. Right. It was let's get people in place to take care of these customers, do our renewals, do our expansion. And it was tremendously successful. Now, I think catalyzed by some of the rising customer expectations from a lot of competition, customers just have more choices and they want things their way. They demand things their way. Plus the recent, I'd say like economic reset to reality. Uh, right, coming off these insane multiples and these historically low interest rates, coming back to a more normal economic rhythm, companies have to become a heck of a lot more efficient and productive. 
And so we have to really rethink the way customer success is done. And the way Gainsight thinks about it is we need to take advantage of a new digital layer that we can put out there for the customers that solves two problems. One is it gives customers the ability to self-serve the way they want to, right? Everything we do today is on demand. We order food on demand. We order cars on demand. Why can't we get customer success on demand? So let's do that. Let's give it to the customer the way they want it. And that can come in the form of community and education and knowledge bases and certification programs, collaborative workspaces, et cetera. So there's that layer. And then internally having this digital layer allows the customer success managers to be a lot more efficient, a lot more effective. So one, you don't need as many. And two, the ones you have can do a lot more high value work. So that's where we're taking the business and education plays a really central role um, in furthering that vision. Very interesting. I think, as you said, sort of we're in this economic climate now where people are being forced to be a lot more effective in the execution and the delivery of the work. But then at the same time, customers' demands haven't really dropped and they still expect the same level of service and uh, way of working with companies. So what are some of the interesting ways that you're seeing companies adopt in this new environment? And if you were in the shoes of a company now, like trying to adapt and move into this new next level of customer success, as you put it, where would be some of the first areas you'd want to think about getting started? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've hosted some like really interesting roundtable conversations to poke at that exact question. And one of the trends that I'm seeing, which is really exciting, is that earlier stage companies, meaning you know sub 20 million, are actually making the investment in uh, digital customer success ahead of uh, having the, the human element there. And so early on, in their uh, life cycle, they're bringing in community, they're bringing in education, and they're bringing in in-app guidance, for example. And they're bringing in this digital layer ahead of bringing in a high-value person to really drive those relationships. And that's a really big change because even when I was founding North Pass, you know, all of my founder peers were bringing on customer success managers very early, like at the first customer, right? And I'm not seeing that now. And I think it's a really positive thing for profitability and productivity of businesses. And and frankly, I think it's the way the customers want it, right? Not every customer wants to call, they wants to get on a Zoom with their customer success manager all the time for everything they need. A lot of them would rather just get it on demand. Absolutely. And I, definitely, I think it's changing in terms of the interactions and the way that people want to interact with uh, service providers and their software uh, at the moment. So you're seeing this as like a table stakes or the way companies, earlier stage startups are getting started. But how do you suggest a company starts to think about this approach? Let's say they've gone ahead, they've uh, got a decent sized customer success team now. They want to try to become a little bit more efficient uh, in this new age and they want to be able to deliver the same level of service. Like, how do you suggest companies get started with this? Yeah, for sure. The way to get started is to really first spend time with your customers and assess what they want, right? Just go point blank and ask them, go talk to 10, 20, 50 of them and just say, hey, here's some of the things we're thinking about. Can you tell me how you're interfacing with your CSMs today? Where do you want to interface with your customer success managers? Where would you rather have things self-service? Just learn. Right. And, and just learn firsthand because 
I think every company's customers are going to say something a little bit different. And so I think based on that feedback, then look at internally with the customer success team, where are they spending their time? For example, when we talk to a lot of our customers before they were using NorthPass, now Gainsight Customer Education, their customer success managers were very often spending 30% of their time doing repetitive education and training. And so I think by talking to the customers, by talking to the internal customer success managers and getting feedback, it's going to inform how companies go about making this rotation. But generally speaking, like a gen- if there's a general blueprint for it, I would say that you want to take the essential but rut- routine tasks, you know, like education, for example, and begin offloading that from the customer success teams or the pro serve team or implementation team, whoever is doing it, and present that digitally to the customers online and on demand. And then integrate it into the customer journey. So when the deal closes, provide them with some onboarding educational material so they can go through that material, get prepped and educated on the the basics and the orientation of the product. And then when they get on the call with their CSM, they're a lot more productive because they've done the pre-work, right? Lead them to a certification program. We've seen that at Gainsight just in our certification program for admins who have gone through it, it's dramatically higher MPS than those that haven't. So I think that feedback and learning from internal and external interviews, and then generally speaking, just putting forth more of that self-service environment for the customers is a big win. Yeah. And so when you're talking about customer education from your perspective, it's nothing really to do with support docs and how to use the product, but more how to extract value from the product and how to maximize the efficiency of the service. How are you recommending teams get started with this? So like, as you said, like typically maybe today, customer success managers walking through during onboarding, giving a demo, how you can use the product. How do you suggest companies think about putting together an education program for their business? And what are some of the areas, the first places that you would start? I just want to give a quick reminder that our sponsors of this episode today are Vitaly and Chargebee. Vitaly are giving away a free pair of AirPods to all qualified demos, so if you're in the market for a new CS platform, make sure to visit vitaly.io forward slash churnfm today. You can also grab a copy of the latest state of the subscription and revenue growth report by visiting chargebee.com forward slash churnfm and let them both know that I sent you. Now back to today's episode. Yep. So the first thing is I've helped advise company hundreds of companies on this, and I think the very first starting point that is critical is appointing someone as the lead on this. It's really, really important. It's not just going to happen. So appointing a lead on this, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a professional educator. It needs to get there in time as the program scales, but to get it going, you really need someone who's just really good at project management, cross-functional leadership, someone who understands the product, someone who understands the customers, and someone who can really get things done. And and so that lead needs to be appointed. I think from there, that lead can spend time figuring out where to go next. But I think we always advise that the first thing to do is go talk to the customer, get their feedback on what are the common points of education that they really need and when do they need it and start there. And we often tell our customers, hey, you can go look at something like HubSpot Academy or Salesforce Trailhead and easily get overwhelmed by the amount of content 
and richness of those educational programs. But those took like a decade to get to where they are. So start small, you know, get the customer feedback and just build for one use case, one problem, solve one problem and get the, put the content together, get it out there, get feedback and then iterate from there. So get the lead in place, talk to the customers, iterate quickly and then get cross-functional buy-in, get support from marketing to assist with content creation and promotion of the educational content. We see companies that get the marketing team involved and build a banner on their website and send it out in an email, promote it on social as, you know, such and such companies new academy, get a lot of adoption and a lot of hype and buzz around that very quickly. Those that just kind of set it and forget it, it takes a lot longer to to take off. Uh, and then get support from product as well, right? Because a lot of customers want to learn where they are, which is what it's in the product. And so get the product support as well and have the educational content be available there. So I think those are some of the more kind of tactical ways to, to really get started and then just iterate, iterate quickly, iterate in short loops, and eventually the program will grow really beautifully. Yeah, nice. And thanks for doing my job today as well. I think it's you do some really good recaps after every time uh, you mention something. So I don't need to do it. The thing I think as well is interesting, sort of you mentioned is finding that lead just to get started, like picking somebody who's going to take charge of it. And the other point you made as well of just like getting started, like not having to look at these HubSpots or the Salesforce and uh, realize, okay, like, wow, we have a mountain to climb and uh, really figuring out what is that first piece of valuable content you can deliver. But at the same time, like, let's take like NorthPass, for example, you're putting together a learning uh, platform for customer education. How do you avoid things looking quite bare in the beginning then when it's just literally like one or two uh, courses uh, that you're providing or one or two videos even in the very beginning, just getting up and running? Uh, what are some of the ways like to avoid uh, that so that it looks like you're still adding value at the same time, but it's not just like someone arrives in, what is this? Like, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, what is this empty academy I'm coming to, right? I think that's such an important point. And um, that actually was uh, is one of our product differentiators, you know, at our, uh, with, with our product. And so uh, most learning management systems out there uh, have that experience. If you have just one course, it looks like an empty academy. We have a very portable uh, content system so that you can just embed that single course or single lesson in a website, in a blog, in the app, in app guidance widget, in a community. And so you can bring the content to where people are. And until you have a more built out academy, you can bring more pointed and contextually relevant content to where people are. And that's how what we always advise our customers to start a much higher adoption and much better presentation. Yeah. And definitely it doesn't look like you said, like, what is this? It's more like it's part of the experience and I'm learning in the environment where it makes most sense as well. I like that. Uh, and yeah. then so. You, you found this person, you start building out a few pieces of content now. And you mentioned as well, like from the marketing perspective, it's time to launch this education program. What are some of the activities that you see that marketing partners up with the education team effectively to promote these new services? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So first of all, marketing, I think, is intrinsically motivated to have this educational content because it's very premium content. Um, and the marketing team always wants some premium content, some additional calls to action. So I think 
it's good for the marketer to have this initiative because it, it really helps them with their KPIs as well. I think some like specific areas that they can really lean in and collaborate. One is on the content development, right? The marketing team generally has is the content powerhouse uh, and can really assist in that. Two is they have the keys to the website and the blog and the social handles and the email channels. And so those channels all need to be unlocked and the educational content needs to be embedded in there. I think that just as with any like good piece of content, more content can spawn from that. And so oftentimes we'll see the marketing team promote the course uh, and then follow up with a webinar about that topic, right? And then they can begin to drive more traffic. We'll also see the marketing team not only use that, promote that course to the customer base, but for many types of educational content, it's applicable not only to the customer base, but to late stage deals. So it can be a deal accelerator. And for other types of educational content, it can be even applicable to higher up in the funnel when you look at certain types of educational content that is like industry thought leadership, take HubSpot's inbound marketing program, right? That That's a big educational component for them. Uh, and it drives a lot of leads. And a lot of companies have a similar type of methodology, their own flavor of that. And so it can be used for even in the top of the funnel. So yeah. Nice. And you mentioned as well, then at some points, like uh, I think it was Gainsight certification program. And you see that, uh, people that have actually gone through that the engagements and the satisfaction is very high. I'd assume as well, those accounts tend to be a lot more sticky and retention is high at that point. And I keen to think and hear your thoughts on when is a good time to introduce a certification program for a business. So you started building out the, the learning and education side of it, but at what point does it make sense actually to qualify users as let's say like gain sight experts or specialists? Mm-hmm. I think that it really depends on the type of company and the type of product offering. And I'd say the maturity of the product and the maturity of the industry. So Gainsight's obviously a, a very large company, very sophisticated multi-product company. And so its certification carries a lot of weight on its product set, right? The certification on the, the Gainsight product carries a lot of weight. There's another customer that we work with and they're probably 80 employees and they introduced a certification program a year ago not about their product, but about the role of their admin. So this is a, a company that specializes in competitive intelligence software and c- pretty like new up and coming field. So they didn't build a certification on their particular product. They built it on the field of competitive intelligence and how to become a competitive intelligence professional. And they're small, fast growing startup. And it was a hit. It was a huge hit for them. So I think it just depends on, and they did that because they want to build the category right? They want to grow the category of competitive intelligence. And so I think it just depends, but I'd say like generally, if you're you're trying to build up a category, trying to bring new people into new careers and inspire them and to, to develop new skills and new promote this new role, it makes sense to do it early. If you're in the enterprise and you're in a mature category and you have a mature product, uh, people already know generally what to do with it, but they need to learn your tool set and it's an extensive tool set. Probably makes sense to do it a little later when you're a little more mature. So it's a spectrum there. Depends on, on the goals and what you're trying to achieve at the time. 
I think it is definitely an interesting way as well to build new advocates for the product and to for new lead generation in its own right. Like people start putting a certificate on their LinkedIn profiles and all of a sudden now it's a new channel for exposure for you as well as a result. And then you mentioned the HubSpot's inbound certification program. I think that was like you have a lot of people taking that program and not even using HubSpots. Like it's just mm-hmm. because the content was that good that it was a new way to learn how to do marketing. It was a new form of marketing. So at the time, I think that was really revolutionary uh, to some degree as well, uh, the content yep. they're putting out. Nice. And uh, so customer education program, one of the ways like to increase efficiency now in this uh, new wave is how can we digitize a lot of the services that we were doing manually previously with customers and, and CSMs. What are some of the other areas that you're seeing now as well, like having this vantage point within Gainsight that companies are adopting to become more efficient? Mm-hmm. I think that community is a really big piece of this, a really, really big piece of this. Northpass, before the acquisition, we weren't a huge company. You know, we were, we were fast growing, approaching some good scale. But even with that size company, our customers wanted to be in community with each other, wanted to be learning from each other. And in many cases, would rather learn from their peers than from us. And so I think community is a really, really big uh, piece of this next layer of digital customer success. And and that's something that we have in our product suite. uh, And we're really, really excited about. We're actually doing a lot of work to bring education and community and Mm -hmm. in-app guidance together in a really tightly integrated solution. Nice. Yeah, I think community is one of those things like it's extremely hard to do well, though, as well. And it seems like quite difficult to get up and running. But when it does work, it works extremely well. So I can think of a few really powerful communities and I've seen them grow over the years. Well, I think the Webflow one is one that comes to mind for me as well of how they've developed and and worked with that. And eventually it becomes also like a very big uh, retention driver because you've built mm-hmm. up this loyalty and uh, love for the product and the community itself. So um, how how does this new product work? Like how do companies get started uh, setting up community? Because it's not just saying, are we going to launch a community? No, like there's, you first need to find people, then you need to have mutual interests, then you need to be delivering value, and then it needs to be growing at a consistent pace so that everybody continuously extracts value to be coming back to it. It's almost like, building a marketplace business in, in itself, it's like incredibly difficult. It's like what comes first? So. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, admittedly, uh, I'm not the community expert. It'd be really cool to bring that person on your show and talk through some of the nuts and bolts. But from my observations as a founder and going through this as a user and building a community, a lot of it started the very same way that the education program started. A lot of it started with just making sure you have a really solid point person. It doesn't have to be their full-time job, but 25%, 50% of their job. Someone who's really passionate about bringing customers together, really passionate about just getting stuff done and working cross-functionally to make it happen. So I think education and from what I know about community, education and community have a lot of similarities and how you get them started. They don't just turn on overnight. Like, you know, you, you buy Slack and you turn it on and it's there. It's like, okay, great. It works. But with education and community, it takes some content development. It takes some organization. It takes some promotion and integration. And, and so you really need to have a good driver of the program. 
And it, it requires that focus. I think as you say, somebody dedicated to doing that specific task. It's not something you're just going to bolt on and expect to work or organically grow uh, on its own. Uh, very nice. What's one thing that you know today about churner retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? <laughs> um, I probably have 25 of those. Um, but I, I think so much of it really does come down to the product fitting the market need or the product market fit. I mean, if you have extraordinary product market fit, you will have extremely high retention. And if you don't, then you don't. I think that at the lowest kind of most atomic level, I think that's the, the greatest learning. The nuts and bolts. Yeah. If your product's not delivering value in an extreme amount of its users, you're at risk of them churning and leaving their business. Very nice. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with or anything they should be aware of to keep up to speed with your work? Hey, I think, you know, keep pushing our industry forward. And uh, this community is incredibly inspirational and just love everything that that's taken place in the space. And, you know, thank you to and your team for continuing to produce really amazing content so we can all learn. Thank you, Steve. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure hosting you today. For the listeners, everything that we've been discussing will be in the show notes so you can take a look there and catch up to with anything we mentioned. Thanks a lot for joining, Steve, and I wish you best of luck now uh, going forward, maybe with a little bit more peace of mind uh, post-acquisition as well. Thanks so much, Andrew. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week. And with that, I just want to say a big thanks again to Vitaly and Chargebee for sponsoring this episode. If you do decide to check them out at vitally.io forward slash churnfm and chargebee.com forward slash churnfm, please make sure to let them know I sent you because tracking podcast advertising is traditionally very difficult and I want to make sure we deliver value to them both so that we can retain them as our sponsors. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next week.